helping business leaders grow themselves, their team, and their profits. This is the Entree Leadership Podcast. Now, here is your host, Ken Coleman. It is Thanksgiving week, and we are broadcasting from the Music City. Extra specially grateful that you have downloaded the podcast. It's going to be a great episode. I'm going to introduce you to an American icon. An icon in that he represents, I think, all things American. You don't know who he is. If you do, I'll be super impressed. But you're going to be glad that we've introduced you to Colonel Littleton. Also, we've got a lesson from Dave from one of our Entree Master Series events, specifically on catching your team in the act of doing something great, essentially showing them gratefulness for who they are and what they've done. This is great stuff when we think about thankfulness, thanksgiving, giving of thanks. And then we have a special giveaway for you and a discount. So all that coming to you on this podcast brought to you by our friends at Infusionsoft. You can check them out at infusionsoft.com slash entree, infusionsoft.com slash entree. Love this quote that I'm about to share with you. And this is from the Wayback Machine, Eric, the producer. In fact, he doesn't know I'm about to reveal this quote. He doesn't know what the quote is. But it's from the Wayback Machine. Do you even know who Marcus Aurelius is? You do. I'm impressed. You're an impressive young fellow. But now you've earned some serious points. For those of you who don't know who Marcus Aurelius is, he was the Roman emperor from A.D. 161 to 180. Now that, my friends, is the Wayback Machine. Some of you, when I said that, you're like, well, how far back is he going? This is a great quote as we think about being thankful in this great American holiday, this great American tradition of Thanksgiving. Marcus Aurelius wrote, Do not indulge in dreams of having what you have not, but reckon up the chief of the blessings you do possess. And then thankfully, remember how you would crave for them if they were not yours. Whoa. You know, for achievers, this is a huge temptation. To always be thinking about the next. It's just how you're wired. There's nothing wrong with that. I struggle with this all the time. If we get so obsessed about the next, we'll miss what we have. We'll miss what we need in the now. And many times that will sacrifice the very next that we're obsessing over. And so this temptation to always be thinking about the next more, the next achievement. And what happens is if we get too caught up in that, we fail to do what Marcus Aurelius challenges us to do here in this wonderful quote, and that is to thankfully remember how you would crave the blessings you have if they weren't yours. That's your team, that's your work, that's your family, your health, the list goes on and on. By the way, I love this. I'm born and raised in the South. I have to bring this out, Eric. He says, do not indulge in dreams of having what you have not, but reckon up. That's, that's something that a redneck says. My forefathers, reckon up. Can you hear Marcus really saying that with a southern tinge? No, I can. I can't remember the last time I saw someone write, but reckon up. So there you go. There's my challenge to you good, fine people this Thanksgiving week. Reckon up your blessings. And remember how you'd crave for them if they were not yours. Thanksgiving week episode. That's what this is. And so we were thinking about this and we thought of all the stuff we've got in the can. We're always recording conversations for you because we're coming to you weekly now. And Colonel Littleton was introduced to me by Dave and our leadership team because 
He is from this little teeny town in Tennessee, Linville. 327 people. And the colonel's story is amazing. I know him again because we feature his handcrafted leather goods. We give them away to our guest speakers at events. These are super, super nice gifts. You know something is great when you touch it, smell it, see it, and you know this has had some serious attention put into it. And that's what the colonel does. Love his story. He is an entree leader. He is an absolute entree leader. In 1987, you'll hear this in our conversation, he's in the third floor attic of his house launching his cufflink business to specialty stores. And then you'll hear the rest of the story in the conversation. The reason we're sharing this with you, this guy is not eloquently smooth. He just bleeds authenticity. He bleeds excellence. He bleeds what it means to be an entree leader. This is the amazing, incomparable Colonel Littleton. Enjoy. Well, Colonel Littleton, it's a treat to have you in the studio with us. And uh, I love that you are in a small town and that you're doing world-class handcrafted leather products. And it's a wonderful story. So let's start at the beginning. How did you get into the business uh, that you're doing now? Well, um, it was kind of a strange deal. I, I was on the road traveling in the men's apparel business. Somehow, one weekend, I ended up with 17 pair of antique cufflinks. <laughs> um, and I don't know what the deal was. I just I thought they were kind of neat. The next week, the first store I went to, they bought every one of them. So I thought, well, that's a pretty good deal, you know. And uh, we became the largest probably dealer in antique cufflinks in the United States. I mean, we sold, uh, I don't remember, it's not we sold in excess of 50,000 pairs. So that was quite a bit. But the leather business, um, somehow the occasion arose that I found out about somebody who made leather. I went to see them about making a product. And that's kind of, you know, how it kicked off. And then when that started, then I began to think, well, if I could do this one, then I could do another one. And then it started kind of going like that. So paint the picture for Colonel Littleton World Headquarters, the town of 300 people. 327. Oh, 327. Yeah, that's right. All that's, right. Well, our uh, World Tower and Headquarters is out on the farm. And uh, Linville is just a little country town um, that's not a lot goes on. How far from Nashville is Linville? Oh, it's uh, 45 minutes Okay, south of Nashville. We just set up down there in a bunch of old buildings that we took and restored that were falling in, and uh, we just uh, moved in. Well, you know, the key to your success is the story of the products. Yeah. I mean, that's how it has spread from little Linville, Tennessee. You're a great storyteller. What has been the story that works with these products? Well, you know, I don't know. It's, it's hard to think outside of you know, what you know and what you do. But I still believe that somewhere in the country and up in the big cities in New York and all those places and all these people working in the big buildings, I think they still want to believe there's a Mayberry somewhere. Right. I think they want to believe that somewhere life's not as crazy as it is where they are, that maybe life's a little simpler. Uh, you know, don't take three lawyers, put a deal together. You don't have to lock everything up at night and everybody's not trying to beat you out of something. 
And when they get connected with us and they see that that's, we're in a little small town in southern middle Tennessee and this kind of a homegrown operation, then I think they want to connect to it. Mm-hmm. And we just happen to have the leather goods is how they connect with us. So I think they still want to believe and maybe think that the American dream's still alive. And yeah. that somebody can do it, and they probably look at me and say, well, if that old boy could do it, then it's still alive. I love that. Talk about craftsmanship. In 2015, I, I remember my grandmother's uh, refrigerator crapped out at about 35 years, yeah. three years ago. <laughs> 35 years that's she right. had the refrigerator. That's right. And you can't buy a refrigerator no. that'll last more than no. seven or no. eight now. that's the deal. You know, that's what happens. All things used to be made to last. As a matter of fact, 95% of the equipment we have in our shop is over 100 years old. Wow. We buy all used equipment just because it still does the job the way we do it. Mm. And one thing that we talk about is that if you buy one of our products, if you buy a briefcase or whatever, and we put your name or initials on it, I always want to put the date on it too. And the mm. reason I want to do that is because someday – that briefcase is not going to be in a yard sale That's right. or an estate sale. Somebody in the family is going to say, hey, I want that briefcase. That's the briefcase my daddy made a living out of. Mm. Or it could be somebody's granddaddy one day, and they're going to pick that old bag up and say, you know, this old bag looks pretty good. I want, I'm going to use it. And that's important to me, and it's important to the people that work with me. Yeah, and, and you know, the, your products are expensive because they are. they're handmade and they're well made, they and there's something about that. I mean, that's that's something that's special. You know that when you buy a Colonel Littleton product, well, good grief, it, it, you're going to value it not just because of its quality, but because of how it was made. Well, I tell people, and not everybody comes to uh, work for us has a high standard. And I think we teach it to them. And I always try to tell everybody there's only two things that determine what anything sells for. It's the materials you make it out of and the time it takes to make it. Oh, that's good. Pure and simple. So if you want to make it cheaper, use cheaper materials. Don't put as much time in it. There's no secret to it. I mean, we get knocked off a lot, but nobody ever knocks us off and says, this costs more than Colonel Littleton, and it's better. Mm. It's always cheaper and for less every single time because it's difficult to make it better. Anybody can make it cheaper. That's right. So how many on your team right now? About 40, and they're all kind of multi-talented. They all can do about a half a dozen different things, and and they're all equally important. Yeah. So that's one of the things that we stress, too, in our business. From the guy that packages the box to go out the door to the first contact, that's the person that answers the phone. They're all equally important, and I stress that continually. I love that. How? Just give us a snapshot. How long from the first employee, which I guess would be you, to the 40 now? What kind of a span has that been? I'm not good on dates, but I believe 89 or 90 We lived in an old Victorian home that had a third floor on it, and that's where the business started. As a matter of fact, the first several months, we were carrying stuff to UPS to ship it 15 miles away because we didn't know UPS come pick stuff up. See, so we uh, (laughs) we were we were real entrepreneurs, and uh, and then we got actually our first full time employee. That was a little girl we went to church with, and uh, and she's still there. Mm. So she's 
you've been through the whole deal with mm, us. I love it. One of the things I love, Colonel, is that there's entrepreneurs of all shapes and sizes, personalities mm-hmm. and such. And just curious, I know you don't think about this much. Uh, at least I'm guessing you don't. Yeah. But how would you describe your leadership style with your team? Hmm. Well, I don't think about it a lot. I think we just kind of do what we do. Somewhere along the way, and I don't know, you know how you read something and you've read it a hundred times before, but then one time you read it and somehow it just stands out. That's right. And years ago, and I've read it all my life, and I remember it's in the good book, and it's when the Pharisees, they were trying to trick the Lord, you know, and they asked him, what was the greatest commandment of all? And he said, well, it's to love the Lord thy God with all your heart, soul, mind, and et cetera, paraphrasing there. And he said, that's the first great commandment. And then he said, and the second great commandment is to love your neighbor as yourself. And then he said, all the law is built on those two things. That's the end of it. Now, here's this whole book that I read, big old thick book. And yet he said, it's all built on those two things. I mean, mm-hmm. that's it right there. You can stop right there maybe and just get the whole deal. <laughs> and I right. thought, well... Now, that's got to be pretty profound because the Lord said it. And so I got to thinking about that. And I have built my whole business on do unto others as you have them do unto you. We have a sign on the wall that says in our company, and it says, do unto others as you have them do unto you. List all exceptions below. And that's been 27 years, and we don't have any exceptions yet. That'll do it. It applies. You can sit around and try to be, you know, real slick and real witty, and you try to come up with some kind of slick idea and some kind of something else. And boy, that works. It works every time. Mm-hmm. And I tell my employees that. And that's our quality control. Mm-hmm. That's our customer service. Everything's based on that principle. Mm. What gives you great joy when you hear stories uh, or maybe recall a story where a customer got one of your products and uh, the word got back to you and it just, it kind of, it just symbolizes everything that you're about in the business. We get, I don't think any company, I mean, I, I truly believe this, can get as many emails and letters as we do from customers talking about their experience with our company. It just gets to be kind of, it gets to be a little frightening sometimes. I think, how could there be? I mean, how how does this happen all the time? So I don't know. Yeah. When I get those, it makes me feel good. And what we do is every month we have a company meeting. We shut the whole place down, put the phone on you know, on hold, close the door, go out to the farm, got an old one-room schoolhouse out there, and we have a company meeting, call it a pig out because we eat. <laughs> I, love I get that. up and talk about what we got, and I read letters to everybody and everything. And uh, some of the letters, they're just really personal. People connect to what we do. If I could tell you just a short one, we got, um, and this is kind of typical. We had a customer in Alabama in Birmingham, and he'd ordered one of our bags, travel bag. The day it came in, well, he got a call from his company that afternoon. He had to leave for a business to go somewhere that he had to go. So he just packed up his new Colonel Littleton bag and headed for the airport you know, on a holiday, you know, Thanksgiving weekend, biggest travel day of the year. And when he got up to the check-in, they pulled his bag aside. And he thought, well, I don't know, that doesn't look good, you know. So they went through it a little bit and, and looked it over, and then the guy called over another guy to look at it. And he looked at it a little bit. Now, there's lines there, see, a mile long, everybody waiting, and there they are with his bag, see. And they call over 
the head guy to look at it. And so finally he said, well, anything wrong? I said, that's my bag. I said, uh, you know, I own that. And they said, where'd you get that bag? And he said, well, that's a Colonel Littleton bag. And they said, we've never seen a bag like this. We just can't get over how unusual or great <laughs> or whatever it is. Sure. And so now you think he didn't feel good about the bag after oh, that. Yeah. See? How about new ideas? How often for new products do you get ideas? And then I'm curious to know, what's your process by which you go, ah, that was an idea that we're not going to move forward on, but this idea, now this <laughs> one we're moving forward on. How do you determine that? Well, um, you have a lot of ideas. I very rarely do I have this what I think is a hot idea right off the bat. It usually evolves. And I guess if there's no need for it, you can't sell it. Right. And there's a lot of things I create that there's no need for them. <laughs> and uh, you just can't do it. Uh, but I made that assumption one time. I made a belt that we do that we call the cinch buckle belt. And it... Laid around my office for two years, and everybody I'd ask at the office, they said, ah, we'll never sell that. We'll never sell that. And anyway, so it went on and on. And one day I picked it up and looked at it, and I said, you know, I'm just going to, I'm going with my gut feeling. If we don't sell for two of them, I'm going to own one and somebody else own one, <laughs> right. and that's the end of it. Well, it's our number one selling belt today. Is that right? It is number one beyond all the belts that we make, and it's crazy. I mean, it is, it is kind of an unusual belt, and we sell them. All over the world. I have people that I don't know what they do with them. I have people that'll buy $20,000 a year worth of that belt. I don't know what they do. I mean, they're not in the store business. They're not in the giving away business. I don't know what to do with them. <laughs> I don't know. And they do it every year. That's so funny. And you know what I love about this entree leaders is he just went with his gut. It sat for two years and finally you went, you know what? I'm going to test it. That's a great lesson. Well, just throw it out there. You have to do that. You One day you have to go with your gut feeling, right. and you have to believe in your gut. I, I say that all the time because you can go around and ask everybody, and I do that sometimes, and I do it for a couple of reasons. One thing, I do it to involve people. I want them to feel involved. But as it's all said and done, it's about 50-50 half the time. Half of them like it. Half of them don't like it. <laughs> That's right. And so you're no better off than when you started. You just have to believe in your gut feeling and think, I know what we're about, and that's kind of the way it goes. Now, that's not real scientific. That's not going through 14 focus groups and everything else, and uh, and I'm sure there is a place for all that. But with me, it's just uh, I think it's good, and we're going to do it. All right, so final word before we let you go. Yeah. This is one of the things I love to do with our guests, and uh, I want you to just encourage entrepreneurs, men and women out there who are trying to go for it. They're either starting a company, they're trying to build a company, they're moving up the ranks in life. What would you say to them if you could sit down with them and have a glass of sweet tea in Linville and, mm -hmm. and you were just going to encourage them? What would you say to them? Well, I would do the same thing I did um, several years ago. I was, I'd been asked to speak at, um, at a university to the student body. And um, so I was driving there, and I had my general, you know, my notes that I always speak from when I speak to businesses and, you know, organizations. And I was thinking driving there, I said, this ain't going to get it. They ain't going to buy all this stuff. It's a bunch of college kids there. You know, this ain't going to work. And so I just threw them all down the floor and wadded them up and <laughs> went down there and got up on the big stage with all these presidents and all these people and everything. You know, and came my time to speak and all these thousands of kids out there 
And I got up and just kind of looked them all around there and everything. I said, um, if you don't remember anything I say today, remember this. Always do more than you get paid for, period. And I said, if you do that, you'll be so far ahead of most people because so few people even do what they get paid for. So if you excel and do more than you get paid for, and uh, can I give you just a little short story to tell the point? I would love it. Okay. This, this is so simple. And to me, life is simple. Uh, but the story I like to tell, I think that says it all, is I ask if there was a lady at a business or an office, and let's say she was single and didn't know anything about cars, and she had to have her brakes done. Well, she's a little nervous about going to a garage because she thinks she's going to get ripped off, and, you know, she don't know anything about it. But she goes down to the garage and says, I need some brakes. And so anyway, they say, fine. And that afternoon, she goes back and picks her car up. And the garage owner says, well, we got you fixed up. Said everything's good. Brakes uh, were worn out. And we got you some in. And, and, you know, and by the way, they also, they just happened to rinse her car off while she was there. They just, it was a little, you know, they just rinsed. They didn't give it a complete wash. They just kind of rinsed it off a little bit for and cleaned it up. You know, dusted it out a little bit. So when she got her car and drove, you know, went home, and the next day she got a call at the office. The garage owner said, uh, so I just want to call and make sure your brakes are okay. He said, now, you may not know that, but sometimes brakes have to kind of settle in, and I just want to make sure everything's working and, you're, you know, everything, as far as you know, is good, and you're happy with it. And she said, oh, yeah, everything's fine. All right, good. Two weeks later, she gets a postcard in the mail. The guy says, just want to follow up and make sure your brakes are still good. And by the way, if they're not, I know you're busy. We'll send somebody to your office and pick it up and take care of it because I know you don't have time to be out running around. But if it is, let me know. Blah. Okay, that's it. So now, he spent a minute to start with for a phone call. He sent a postcard out that took him a minute to write. Three months later, the lady's at the office and somebody comes up to her, another lady, and says, I got to get my car worked on. Where does she say go? Absolutely. And it, the guy didn't do a billboard. He didn't do a big fancy TV ad. He didn't do some focus group. He didn't do a big internet program. He just took care of that person and let them know that he was concerned about it. He did unto others as he'd have them do unto him. And that's all it took. He solved it. And you just have to expand on that idea to whether you're running a major computer company or you're running a donut shop. Mm. It's pretty simple. It's just uh, do more than you get paid for and do unto others, and uh, you won't have to worry about it. There's a master class in how to build a company that is sustaining success over a long period of time. Hey, if you want to tweet something, I'm telling you the entire conversation was worth what the colonel just shared, and that is do more than you get paid for period. Give that quote credit to Colonel Littleton. Tweet that. Fantastic stuff, Colonel. Always good to have you with us. We bring the Colonel in for uh, multiple events. We buy his products as gifts to our top clients and guests. It is fantastic stuff. I'm telling you, you won't regret it. You can check him out online, ColonelLittleton.com. Colonel, you're a good friend, and you're somebody we should all aspire to be. Appreciate you being with us. Well, I appreciate y'all, and I followed you for a long time. Y'all had phenomenal success. You just keep growing like it's unbelievable. And uh, But I believe in what you do, and and I've known about Dave Ramsey forever. And so you don't get to where y'all are unless you're helping people. And uh, 
uh, I think you all do more than you get paid for, and I believe you also follow that phrase in the good book, do unto others, you have them do unto you. Absolutely. Period, and that's the end of it. Thank you. Hope you enjoyed Colonel Littleton as much as we did. This guy is a gem. And uh, we want you to check out his business because, again, uh, the, the craftsmanship is unbelievable. If you're looking for that unique gift, uh, unique incentive as leaders, ColonelLittleton.com. Spell it out, ColonelLittleton.com. And he's got a special offer for our Entree Leadership audience. If you buy anything on the ColonelLittleton.com website between now and December 31st of 2015, they're going to give you his number three card wallet. Again, vintage leather, handmade by his team in the workshop in Linville, Tennessee. And this is just for your business cards. And I think you'll love this. It's just an incentive if you do want to buy something off of his website. Uh, when you are in the store, you just need to put in the comments section of the checkout page, Entree Leadership Podcast. That's all you got to do. Before you kind of hit the final submit button for purchase, in the comments section on their store, put Entree Leadership Podcast, and they will send you, with your existing purchase, one of these free leather card wallets. And I think you'll really enjoy that. So check them out, ColonelLittleton.com. Well, we have a special excerpt from Dave teaching at Entree Master Series, which is our seven-day event, high-end event, diving deep in the entire week. And because it is... Thanksgiving week. We've pulled the lesson on recognition and gratitude. The lesson is specifically entitled Caught in the Act. Catching your team in the act of doing great things. And you're going to love this lesson because simply put, you, along with every other person in the world, wants acceptance. You want to hear the attaboys, the girls. You want to know that you're appreciated. You want to get some public attention every once in a while for a job well done. And this is at the heart of being grateful for your greatest asset, which is your team. So let's get right to it. This is Dave teaching on Caught in the Act. Ken Blanchard says the last applause most people got was at their high school graduation. People are motivated by starving for and longing for five things. Acceptance, approval, appreciation, attention, and affection. If you will bother to stop and say thank you, bother to stop and praise, bother to stop and recognize, you can change the whole organization. Now, if you do that without doing all the other stuff we've been talking about, without paying people, without having a value system, without communicating servant leadership, then all you're doing is hyping. It's just flattery. It doesn't work. And you've worked for companies that are just hype. They're hollow. They're shallow. And that's not what I'm talking about. Our goal is to catch people doing something right. They need to be caught in the act. Find them doing something right. Look for people doing something right. We all do this. It's a nature to catch people doing something wrong. That one's easy. But giving a praise sandwich and a raise sandwich, that's awesome. Catching people doing something right is something we all have to stop and be intentional about. Some are more natural encouragers than others, but all of us, you know, we look at, we look at the grade card the kid comes home with, with four A's and one B, and you go, what happened, buddy? What's up with the B? You going to be pumping gas? What's your problem? I mean, you let me down here. You got a B. He got four freaking A's, and we concentrate on the B. Don't we all do that? We all do that. We're looking at the thing going, man, you just, if you'd have picked it up, you'd have had straight A's. What's wrong? And, and we start concentrating on that one course correction rather than catching all the things doing right. Catch people doing something 
Right. I love the goalie quote from the NHL. How would you like a job where every time you made a mistake, a big red light goes on and 18,000 people boo? <laughs> Compliment or recognize character and actions, but only the correct character and actions. Be careful what you compliment. When you start recognizing publicly people for doing things, other people are going to start doing those things. You're going to create more of whatever you recognize, more of whatever you praise. Course correction's part of a leader's job, but it's not your only job. You need to be intentional about the concept of recognition. Don't flatter or falsely compliment because then sincere recognition has no credibility. It's not hype. This is not everybody's a winner. This is not socialism. This is not you can't read, but you still get an A in reading, so your self-esteem isn't hurt. That's not what we're talking about here. If you're not winning, I want your self-esteem hurt. But if you're winning, I need to spend some time saying how good you are and how awesome you are. Look for opportunities to brag on people. Try to catch a chance to brag on people. Send notes of appreciation as well as thank you notes. Jack Galloway, some of you all met Jack. He's one of our EVPs and sits on our board. But Jack, in the early days, he came to work for us in the ELP program. And actually, he, he set up the ELP program uh, at my right hand, learning how to do it together, he and I. But he came to me. We didn't have a lot of money, and so I approved every little expense in those days. You know, He came to me and said, I want to buy a box of these cards, uh, stationery, and it says, like, my name on it. And I said, you want me to pay for you to get girl stationary? What is wrong with you? And he said, man, I do this. He said, I've been in sales. I send everybody a handwritten note. Jack is a master of the handwritten note. Sharon will get a handwritten note from Jack for being on this panel this week. Makes me look bad. <laughs> he drops a handwritten note into everything. I've never seen anything like it a note of appreciation, and he, he'll send it to a, a waiter at a restaurant. It's his way. And I was in your restaurant and sent the manager talking about the waiter. Your waiter, Tom, at that, was at our table on Friday the 17th. And just, it was, I just got to tell you, stellar service. He sends a note. Next time you come in there, it'll be framed on it. You know why? Because it's so rare. It never happens. Nobody sends anything except hate mail and griping and if they do send something, it's not handwritten. Just take a minute on some personal stationery and write something out. My writing is so bad, I'm just ashamed to do it. But Jack has done it for so long, I bought the stationery too. So I gave up. I'm, I'm in. This is so powerful. Emotion and passion energize, not monotones. But again, people need to sense that you care deeply about the subject. And if they don't know you care... You're not going to win. The entree leader's example is everything for inspiration. You as the entree leader, you set the tone. Are you happy? Are you inspired? Are you optimistic? Are you pumped? Are you fired up? Are you have a work ethic? I got a buddy of mine who was making about a million and a half a year top line. And most of that was profit. Had a little company, about nine people. And he's a big golfer, scratch golfer. And he got the golf bug, and he decides he's going to play golf. So he's going to enter the pro-am and start making money in golf, right? And so he starts playing golf four days a week to practice and get ready. And his manager is leading his business. Well, his business went from like a million three to 700,000 in one year. 
top line. And I'm like, dude, those are some serious green fees. I'm talking like a $600,000 swing here, man. And most of that was bottom line. And he goes, well, I thought I had a manager. I said, you did have a manager. You didn't have a leader. The only leader in the organization left the building. And when it was okay for you to go play golf, they all quit. Did you notice? Oh, they brought their bodies to work, and they collected their checks, but they quit. Did you notice? I said, you have to decide. Are you in the golf business, or are you in business? Because, dude, I don't think you're going to make the money you're making in golf. You're good, but you're not that good. You decide. He goes, I knew I shouldn't have had coffee with you. <laughs> you asked. I will tell you. That's how this works. Your team will do what you do. Don't expect them to be inspired when you aren't inspired. That's just a sample of the teaching you get from Dave at an Entree Leadership event, whether that's Entree Leadership One Day, Entree Leadership Master Series, or our brand new event. This will be our second Entree Leadership Summit, May 22 through 25. I've been talking about it for a while. If you're new to the podcast and you haven't heard us talk about Summit, here's 20 seconds. Dave is invited. Jim Collins, Seth Godin, Dr. Henry Cloud, Pat Lencioni, very own Chris Hogan, and Christy Wright, plus a awesome mystery speaker that, due to a silly contract, we can't tell you over the airways, but we can show you who that person is at entreleadership.com slash summit. Also, we're offering $300 off the summit ticket price in the month of November. Okay, so as you hear this, you don't have a lot of time left. The fact is we're giving you, the podcast audience, a November discount to the tune of $300 off the ticket price, entreleadership.com slash summit entreleadership.com slash summit. And when you fill out the form, make sure that you mention the $300 discount. You can also do this over the phone. Uh, if you call our Entree Leadership team, mention the podcast listener $300 discount. It's going to be phenomenal. May 22 through 25 in Dallas, Texas. entreleadership.com slash summit. Hey, real quick, want to let you know we are loving the stories of you, your stories, how Entree Leadership has helped you win big and again this is about you we're not looking for this glowing compliment about how awesome we are well no that's not what we want we want your story as you've been a part of this tribe and how you have used the principles to win big we want to hear how you're winning email us podcast at entreleadership.com podcast at entreleadership.com and you're going to start to hear those stories on this podcast very soon Hey, folks, on behalf of our producer, Eric Anthony, and the entire Entree Leadership team, we really, really are grateful for the opportunity to serve you in the small way that we get to. And we'll talk with you again very soon. Happy Thanksgiving.